So it was almost like a, a tryout with Doom 3. Do we really, really need a writer? And I talked to him about how a story Bible and what a story Bible does. And that sort of filled out, my opinion, filled out the world, both for the artists, for the designers. And, and then it was pretty much me doing normal story stuff. But they had this Bible about, you know, faster, faster than light drive that we created and other things about the Mars colony and also about the portal that opened that hadn't been thought through to that level of depth. that nowadays I think gamers totally expect. Well, that was Matt Costello talking about creating the story Bible for the Doom franchise. So, that game is huge. Yeah, yeah. How how random that we like lived in the same town, basically one town over. Yeah, you like you went to town. You know who was also from Dobbs Ferry. Hold on, whenever that came up, hold on, hold on. Before you say that, (laughs) I was like, this guy. Oh, hey, you got your stubs thing up. I just saw it. Sorry, totally random. Alex just moved out of the way. Oh, yeah, it it showed up. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you found out, stubs the zombies collector's edition. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. We'll Good, I interrupted you. We're interrupting each other. Anyway, so you, you, when he said that, I could tell it's like this guy. <laughs> you just started talking. You were into it. All right, so who else? Oh, you have to there? ask him about baseball. Oh, yeah, uh, Mets. Like nobody likes the Mets, dude. And you're the only guy I know that likes the Mets. Growing up in New York, everybody was a Yankees fan. I'm like, I ain't gonna be <laughs> no Yankees fan like everybody else. So yeah, the Met, the Mets were where you know you went to be different to root for the underdog. Anyway, so and what I, were you saying? I haven't watched a baseball game forever. Mark Zuckerberg. Really? Yep. The Facebook guy? <laughs> yeah, the one and only. Well, now he's the Threads guy. He's the Facebook guy, then the Meta yeah, guy, and like I guess the, now he's the Threads guy. Is it going to work? Is it? Who knows? Who knows? That's right. Maybe it will. Okay, well, pretty cool to have a writer on the show. So Yeah, it was like totally cool. Hopefully, y'all stick around to listen to Matt. Writing for video games is super interesting. I went to college with uh, John Scalzi, who's a, who's a pretty well-known sci-fi writer. He helped us out on uh, at Industrial Toys. I didn't with- know you went to college with him. Yeah, we you know we didn't hang out super much when we were in college, but we knew each other, and uh, really? he lived in the same the same dorm as Laura and I. Yeah, you know who what? else lived in that dorm is um, Dave Auburn, who's a Pulitzer winning playwright. Yeah, and Michael Jackson too, and Obama and Trump both shared a room in the same floor. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Wouldn't that be amazing, dude? That's a treatment for a sitcom right there. Obama and Trump as college students, roommates. And they're like right roommates, there. and that's why like all this nonsense is happening now. That's so crazy. I didn't know. Old Man's War. I read that book. That's a good book, Old Man's War. It's a great book. It's a great book. Uh, it's the first one. first novel of his that I that I, I think that's a lot of uh, where people start with his, his work. Super prolific these days. Um, mm-hmm. But in any case, really cool to talk to a writer. You know, it's an interesting craft in video games because... There's it is. lots of different ways to, like, world build or to do narrative design. You used to write combat dialogue, which was like, you know, you would you would put tags in, in the game for, like, when a character would say a kind of thing, and then you would write a whole bunch of kinds of that kind of thing, you know, and the game would, would trigger yeah. the dialogue based on those tags, and really interesting we didn't talk to Matt about AI. Yeah, I, I, that was I was thinking about it as we were talking because there's some one. interesting, interesting, scary. I don't know, interesting demos of. I think there's a demo f- from The Witcher, or that was done in The Witcher. Oh, maybe I remember that. Yeah, no, of no, the I NPC character that you can yeah, talk yeah, yeah. to, and and it's mm-hmm. all driven by AI by ChatGPT. Um, yeah, 
interesting uh interesting conversation i i've been reading sorry i'm just going going off on on uh on <laughs> multiple threads here i uh i read i finally read some joseph campbell the man of a thousand faces have you read any any joseph campbell you know the hero's journey that stuff yeah i want to say i read one thing a long i started one thing a long time ago and I never finished. That's always been sort of a, a gap <laughs> for me in my sort of my, I would say in my, not my training, but just in like, you know, we all consume media as inspiration and to be familiar with the zeitgeist and everything. And I'd never read any Campbell and I've been aware of Campbell and it's his influence on modern storytelling and just mythology in general and fantasy. reading right? Cliff's book. Cliff, Cliff mentions Joseph Campbell in his book. And it just reminded me. Ah, fuck! I I, I gotta go read some. Wait, which one are you so reading I, I right did now? The hero with a thousand faces. That's the one you started with. Yeah, Is I think that's. I think that's the the go to start. You would really like it because. Um, okay, I'm gonna you know, it it's sort of like it's uh it's very it, it's very academic and intellectual in terms of interpretation of original texts, but the original text are, is, covers a lot. You know, the ancient world, uh, mythology, religion. So there's a lot of stories we're familiar with, mm-hmm. where he draws, you know, the the comparison of of uh, the motivations of the characters that show up in these different stories. It's fiction, right? No, it's not. It's not a novel. It's a text. You know, it's like um, it's like a textbook. It's almost like reading somebody's, yeah, dissertation. Well, now I mean, really, a, a man, man with really a thousand faces. The man with a the thousand hero faces. with a thousand faces. A thousand yeah, faces. you know, okay. it's like the the con- the common myth. You know, I've been. I've actually been listening to a lot of stuff on that. So I thought you would like it. Oh, yeah, I, I brought it, it up most mostly to share that with you. What have you been up to? I'm playing DC Dual Force. I got it. I got into the beta. Been trying that out. Hmm. They they didn't do too well in the first beta. They had some networking issues, so they had to close it. But it opened up, and it's awesome. It's really cool. It has things that I was hoping Marvel Snap would have. So maybe they'll get that kind of stuff, like stories where you could play like a story. Oh. Yeah, it's cool. Okay. Is this... Um, it's a card game. What platform? PC. I think... I don't know if they're going to be mobile, actually. Not sure. Uh, and I got a bunch of games on the Steam sale. Like, like, an, like, who does that anymore? Like, I asked someone, like, hey, did you get any games for the Steam sale? They're like, oh, I didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> like, I asked Kyle. And no, he's like, come on. I'm like, yeah, because, no. like, no one really... But there's so Every, many good games Everybody on knows what's going on. Yeah. Really? I, you know, I've been meaning to go check out Dave the Diver because... Cause, uh, Get it. You mentioned it a couple times. Uh, I'm times. looking on Steam, and I'm and it's like it's got a 97% positive review score. It's like it is the chillest game. I love it. My kids are like, yeah. can you play Dave the Diver? They like want to watch me play it because it's so like magical. Like it's just a a very good game. You know, like it's a video yeah. game. You know what I mean? Like you're doing wacky stuff, and it's fun, and yeah. It's chill. It, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It takes itself as far as from serious as po- as you could possibly go in a video game. So it goes all okay, the way. Okay, so sort of <laughs> like it goes all video- the way. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's like a. It's like it's like think. You have to try it. It's it's hard to explain. Okay, it's like a sitcom, like an anime. I don't. Know yeah, I'll go it. play it, and then we'll, we could talk about it again. We'll talk yeah. about it again next week. You'll um, like it. Hey, before we roll with Matt. Because we talked about a bunch of sort of kind of like story games with him, I'm curious mm-hmm. if there's any any games that have had stories that you're like you just really got into. Control, Control, in my opinion, is the last game I've played 
where the story really mattered to me. The world, the story, and it is an amazing, like, character. Like, I don't know. The world, it has everything. If you're a writer and you're listening to this and you're, like, want to get into games, I recommend checking out Control. Just to see what kind of work a writer would do. Because it's it's got the, you know, the interaction. Like, you walk up to a person and they're, they talk to you. There's missions. There's um, every piece of inventory, I think, has, like, story attached to it. There's, like, little things you can pick up, you know? Like, artifacts or whatever. And they have, like, really interesting world building attached to them. It seems like the kind of, like, if I was a writer, I'd want to work on Control. Like, I'd be like, because cool. everything has text. And there's audio logs and there's everything. Batman's another one. The Arkham the Arkham games. Uh Arkham? Yeah. yeah. The story in that is Arkham, really cool too. Arkham's really well done. I got a chance to go visit those guys uh, right after they finished Arkham. What an impressive Rocksteady? Yeah. yeah. Jamie and Sefton, the guys who run um, Rocksteady, run a very impressive operation over there. At least they you know, but but I went to visit them. Yeah. Okay. I hope you all enjoy our conversation with Matt Costello. Let's roll. Let's go. Today is a very special episode with a very special guest because we are welcoming our first writer to the program, Mr. Matt Costello. Has been writing for video games since the early 90s with the script for the CD-ROM game The Seventh Guest. I still remember The Seventh Guest had a pretty big impact on me. Had a big box too. That's right. Back when games came in boxes. And like, yeah. <laughs> Bill Gates said, I've, "I've seen the future of multimedia." And that seventh guest, it's on the spine of the box. Oh, really? So, wow, that was pretty cool. That's that was a, a cool. That's moment. a great, yeah. great quote. But look at this. Yeah. Writing credits also include Doom Three, Just Cause, Rage, and the upcoming Resident Evil Four. He's also a prolific novelist and writer for TV and film. Matt, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Matt. I'm glad to be here. We'll be talking about my favorite subject. (laughs) Before we started recording, Matt, you and I just discovered Uh that you spent time at Dobbs Ferry, about a mile away from where I grew up in Ardsley, New York. So uh, I moved from Rensselaer Polytechnic University, where I got a degree in um, Asian philosophy. A degree in Asian philosophy. Wow. So key to success, <laughs> key, to, key to success, boys and girls, is get that degree in Asian philosophy. Moved to uh, Dobbs Ferry, uh, <laughs> lived on Broadway, and the year I did oh, that yeah. was a year called 1970. Oh wow! Wow! Now it's the rhyme of ancient You know, my dad worked at Dobbs Ferry Hospital. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Which is no longer there. Really? The, the hospital's not there anymore. Yeah, it, they closed it shortly in the mid 70s i guess it was an old fashioned <laughs> old school due to malpractice i don't know hope my dad didn't do it, <laughs> it was like too many too many botched surgeries yes yeah. what a what a random connection it's like oh we lost another one yeah. hey matt are you a mets or a yankees fan oh uh mets uh because okay. what happened yeah. is i, I grew up go in mets. brooklyn going way back brooklyn dodgers yeah dodgers left sadly but the yankees were the enemy and then the year the mets won the World Series, 86 is that? When the ball rolled between yeah, that's the my, guy's legs? Yeah, Bill, yeah. Bu- Bill Buckner's legs. Mookie Wilson, yeah. ground ball down the first baseline through Bill Buckner's legs. And oh my gosh, did well, our household go moment. nuts? Yeah. 
sucks. What a oh, moment. Yeah. What a moment. And then and the next year, I, I, I think I watched every single Mets game. It was like, I was mm. like, so, and then the next year I said, okay, enough of that. <laughs> yeah. I got, it's weird. I got really hooked on baseball through that, uh-huh. you know, through that whole experience being like the Mets were nothing. And they were never going to do to that. They were the bums. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and that season they did that kind of thing almost every game. They were like losing and somehow they found a way to win. And it was just so exciting. Right. And then when the strike happened, I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm out. Yeah. 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 You got to believe. Exactly. You know, exactly. and no one believed, yeah. but it's an amazing play. And those players were personalities like Mookie and. People like that just. Uh, oh yeah, Daryl Strawberry. Who was the shortstop? Carter. Daryl. Oh right, shortstop. Uh, when they came Keith later. Hernandez. That was the first base. Uh, and um, was it Lenny Dykstra? The shortstop was no, it was Lenny Dykstra. Lenny Dykstra. What a hustler! Lenny Dykstra. Welcome to the yeah. baseball podcast, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> WSAN, we're here. Next yeah. caller, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So, Matt, let's let's talk about games. Let's okay. talk about writing because, right. um, yeah. look. Asian philosophy, probably not a very standard path to get into the industry. Um, And, uh, you know, I got to imagine being a writer on a game team is perhaps a little bit lonely just because you, I I would guess you're often the only one in your craft on the team. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Uh, Like the projects that you were working on? Like, I don't have no, how many writers are there on Resident Evil? One. Oh, wait, you asked a Resident Evil question. I'm allowed to talk. <laughs> no. Uh-oh. Oh, I no, I just you. got out of trouble, and now I'm back yeah. in trouble. With the- oh, I apologize. Shit. Before we started recording, don't talk about Resident Evil. But no, no, you can ask that question, because the credit I, I, I asked for and the credit I got was writer, and there's only one name there, and it's mine. So, so that's what I did. Do you do dialogue, too? or For what game? Uh, well, I, I mean, I was I, I was kind of going to ask that same question because you know I I, I think for one. for those in our industry <laughs> and, those, and 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 those who are, who are just a fan of video games, I, I think uh-huh. sometimes it's it's easy to see, easy to kind of understand in your head what an artist on a video game does because you can see those images and you can see right, I, right, I, there's right. a character I can see it's somebody right. animated that character. I, yep. Writing, I think, is sometimes it's, it's kind of like a maybe harder to understand what that craft is like in video games because it's different in games than it is like for writing a linear piece of a fiction novel. for right. a novel or something like that. And there's right. like you know there's like you write you can write dialogue you can write cutscene dialogue you can write mm-hmm. interactive dialogue you can, you can write the interactions right you can you can just, right, you can actually yeah, yeah, write yeah, exactly interactive so maybe experience. maybe give us a little bit of a primer on on you know here, here kind of like when i started it was sort of like this and, okay. and these days i'm kind of doing the, the kind of people I'll i work with on a day-to-day day basis here so uh <laughs> when i started I we got an hour go, go nuts <laughs> yeah. well i can take the whole hour <laughs> answering the single question um so when i started the idea of being a writer in a game was kind of like unknown especially those are you know seventh guesses very early days i had been a game writer but for a good seven eight years before that in role-playing games i did call of cthulhu yeah. i did a batman role-playing mm-hmm. game i did a dungeon dragon i designed a two-player solitaire lone wolf and cub game which is insane oh, cool. when you think about it uh it has some problems because they screwed up the rules but you know i still like it and i was a novelist so the seventh guest people came to me because they read my horror novels they want they said let's get a horror writer to do that and um 
I had said, well, you know, I've also done games. I, I did a book about games. So, but projects that went on from there, like, for example, when it was, I did a Clue adventure game, which was uh, interesting. I actually consulted in Barbie and ended up writing the Barbie game. And I was the only writer. I was the only man in the room. Um, and they said, think pink. Think pink is what the word was. And and various other games like Shell Shock. You mentioned Just Cause One and Two. I did that with my co-writer that I work with. Not my co-writer. I don't actually have legal possession of him. <laughs> but Neil Richards and I have done a bunch of projects together, and we're best of friends and best of collaborators. Um, and I saw that whole world change. So now everyone knows between things like looking at Resident Evil 4, for example, or The Last of Us, or games where the quality of writing, quality of dialogue is good. And when I started in 90, what year was that? What year did 7th Guest come out? 96, 97? I think, I, I think it was around then. I thought it was maybe a little so, earlier, but yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, and that was, so that, yeah, so it was my story, my characters, not, you know, I, I created them, and my dialogue. But it was, that was really bold of Graham Devine and Rob Landeris to do, because that was unheard of. That has, over these decades, because that's a long time ago, has changed. And now there's excellent writers out there, and I just try to hold my own with, with them when I work on projects. And it's uh, kind of wonderful. And every the only thing I'll add, add to that, that was kind of brief, relatively brief. The only thing I'd add to that is that <laughs> Every project is different. So some projects I might just be doing dialogue. That's easy. Good dialogue, nothing to sneeze at, but dialogue. Sometimes it'll be, you know, the actual lines for what the setting is. Sometimes we'll be writing the interaction. Sometimes it'll be interactive design work where it slips out of writing into narrative, what they call narrative design these days. Um, and I love all of it. Uh, Doom 3 um, was a case where they had a phenomenal franchise, but that world wasn't built. And so I met uh, John Carmack, I believe that's who it was, in Texas, Mesquite, Texas, where everybody carries a gun. I got one I think right they now. told me, well, of course. <laughs> Sorry, gun owners. I love my guns. You can't see them here. But I got a, oh, right, I'm video. in Texas. I got, a, I got a rack right here, and you'll just fill with all the weaponry I need. So, um, <laughs> just right off screen, and, huh? <laughs> right. So it was almost like a, a tryout with Doom 3 that, you know, um, do we need a writer? Do we really, really need a writer? And I talked to him about how a story Bible, what a story Bible does. And that sort of filled out, my opinion, filled out the world, both for the artists, for the designers. And, and then it was pretty much me doing normal story stuff. But they had this Bible about, you know, Faster, faster than light drive that we created and other things about the Mars colony and also about the portal that opened that hadn't been thought through to that level of depth that nowadays I think gamers totally expect. They expect yeah. as, did you Did you help create that story Bible? The, the Doom story Bible? I wrote did it. You help create that? I wrote the story Bible. You I wrote it. That's okay. awesome. I remember mm. when, I, when That's I played a, that. That is awesome. I was like, whoa, there's story now? I mean, you're so busy blasting things. You I know, right? Deep story. But this is little, remember this little, not tapes, but little disc with audio from getting back yeah, yeah. characters. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Those yeah. are yeah. so great. That and also, that was the first game to really have normal maps. 
That's a pretty big game, right. pretty important game. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, I loved that's it. Right. And then I went on, this is to do from that, I did the two Doom 3 tie-in novels. So mm. so there was a case of the person who wrote the game, and I'm a novelist. I would say, I wouldn't say first and foremost, but equally I think of myself as a novelist. I've written 40, 50 novels or something. Nice. And um, most of them are sold reasonably okay. Um, so uh, writing the two Doom novels based in the world that we had worked on and the artists had created. But, but it is, I think, Alex, back to your point, there's a lot of people who work on a game. There's a yeah. ton. And you can be the lone person standing there with your little royal typewriter. Nobody carries a typewriter, but <laughs> you get the idea because you're the, you're the story person. I kind of like that. Like, yeah. And it's, I, love I love collaborating. I have an ego as big as anyone, but I love sort of letting all that go. And just being part of the team. Yeah, that is really interesting because I, you know, I think in my mind, I've, I've often fantasized about the, the writer lifestyle. Like my brother-in-law, who lives mm. in Italy, is a, a pretty well-known uh, author. And I've always been jealous mm. of that lifestyle of like I could be a lone creator, ah. you know. And, and and that's why I do my woodworking. Aaron and I talk about this all the time. I I, I have a wood shop, <laughs> and I love to go in there and just have no boss, you know, or no no. Hey. You're no making audience. the thing, I'm just, right? I'm just doing my thing. So, yeah, to be a master of that kind of craft, yet to be participating in something that is so collaborative with a big team and multidisciplinary, exactly. it's got to be super interesting. And you can kind of go back and forth between those two worlds. That's really cool. I go. You, you can't see this fabulous office I'm sitting in. That's you know created by Frank Lloyd Wright. But um, I go from sitting in my office working on a computer. You know, often, you know, sometimes with a collaborator, sometimes not, to working in a big room of people or working with a bunch of people. And to me, it's the best possible world. I mean, I love the, you talk about the writer's life. So I get up every morning, I go running down by the river, come back, grab my coffee, start hitting keys, you know, break for, you know, so it is, there is there's an attract, but it's also nice to get an airplane, like when I did Planet of the Apes. Uh, Last Frontier, which if you haven't checked out, people, I recommend you strongly check it out. Whether you might, whether you would actually call it a game or an interactive movie, that would be up to you. But it's an interesting piece of work. It came out four or five years ago, four years ago maybe. Um, from uh, we'll check that out. Andy Andy Circus and Martin All Times, their two studios working together. And um, so to go from that, and then there's a room of sixty people, and they're all doing you know real things they're like mapping and they're putting fur on things you know and they're they're animating the characters and they're moving tables and um it's this giant machine it's and i love it it's just so good yeah and it's, you've seen that uh, you guys have seen that right you know what that's like oh, well, yeah. we, oh yeah. we've lived in that world for for 30 <laughs> years it's the it's right. the other part where where you get to um, you know, work and hone your craft uh, in in solitary, which mm. is rare for us to come by. You right? Know? Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the show Mythic Quest? No, it's been recommended to me a number of times to watch. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's it's um it's like you know my my brother's a doctor and I used to ask mm -hmm. him if he ever watched ER or whatever those doctor shows and he's like oh I don't watch those doctor Wait, shows what's it's Mythic a little Quest? too close to home. Mythic Quest it's an Apple show on Apple and it's, it's about yeah. a video game studio and, mm -hmm. and it's oh. it's the guy the guys who you know it's always sunny in Philadelphia so it's like freaking over the top funny. Right. It's very funny. Third, but there's third season, right? Three seasons? Yeah. yeah F. Murray Abraham plays the uh -huh. writer. 
and I was going to ask you like your perspective of like how he depicts the writer because he, <laughs> he depicts the writer as well. He doesn't quite get it, Alan. You know, yeah, it's a little no. little bit disconnected. You know, Alex, Too many notes. It's always yeah. disconnected. <laughs> Too many notes, as he said, to Mozart. You know, yes, uh, exactly. I should actually watch exactly, it for that yeah. reason. See how, how the writer is depicted because I bet <laughs> yeah. they completely don't nail it. I bet. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, they don't, probably don't nail me. They may He's nail fantastic in that show. It's it's very much a character. Okay. Everybody's over right. the top, and everybody's it's a Friday character. But no, it's, uh, so I'll watch the freaking show. It's a little. It's a uh, little bit, you know, like dagger in the heart a little bit when I watch it. You know, a little bit. I'm going to watch it now too. I didn't are even they, know this are thing they, Are they kind to the writer? Are they kind to the writer, or do they make him look like? You just got the wrong boat. It's 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 it's, it's, it's both. There's, there's moments of okay. brutality and moments of tender kindness, you know. So it's uh, okay. it's, it's kind of it's it's smart that way, yeah. you know. Yeah. Do Do you play anything, Matt? Well, where is it? Do I play anything <laughs> to check it out? Like, it. <laughs> oh, oh, we can't wow. see. We're not on video. So this is the Fields of Normandy yeah. Two. I um, play oh. many many uh, simulation and war games. Um, okay. I have cool. to be totally honest that that is my preference, uh, and I'm passionate about it because oh, I've designed awesome. those games. But but that's actually where I learned about game design by designing role, solitaire role playing games by doing Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, and it was like same mechanic. And a lot of people like you know Warren Spector. Yes. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, we worked with Warren at Disney. Legend. Yeah, yeah. So he did, the, he, Absolutely. he did the Mickey Mouse game. Warren Spector edited yeah. my first role-playing game because oh, he wow. came from the city. <laughs> wow. He was the assistant editor or maybe the editor of the Gamer magazine, which published my Call of Cthulhu adventure, and Warren edited it. You know, so and then and then there's people like um, Arnold Hendrick who ended up doing working in video and computer games. So a lot of people came from that world because they already knew. Options, oh, yeah. decisions, yeah. you know, interactions, all that jazz. That used to be my go-to advice. You might know, back maybe fifteen plus years ago. My go-to advice for somebody who was like mm. interested in learning about game design was go play D and D. Yeah, yeah. Right, do, do exactly. you go anywhere right now to play those games? I I used to go to a shop in Pasadena and I'd see those games. They have these big, big, big yeah. There's a with these gamer things. shop up here in Poughkeepsie where they do that. And uh, when I was in Brooklyn, I, I stayed in Brooklyn for a while, two years back when my youngest grandson was born. And they had a great, that was always filled with people doing D&D. My daughter, who uh, is a massive Dungeon Dragon fan, she watches the Dungeon Dragon videos, you know, where they actually are oh, talking right. through the whole gameplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, there was a whole and, big deal with that recently where they had to pay money. I don't know if you saw that. Like all the live games they were going to start Pay money to whom and for what? <laughs> to to uh, to Wizards of the Coast. You didn't see there was a huge deal. They're like no. So pe- people stream because they're games. playing the game. They're playing, and that's not that's yeah. now. In, wow, hmm. it was weird. Yeah, I don't know what ended hmm. up happening with that, but everyone got did they win? You don't know. Well, and, I don't and know. She, and there's yeah. one one series that she says has been going on forever. Has advertisers very popular. So, but Alex, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, that information, at least the game design part of it, but also for the option part of it, you know, interactive, do I go, do you want to take the short path through the woods, or do you want to go through the mountains, or you want to take the raft down the river, and use the information you have and make decisions. 
pretty basic stuff, and that goes into games. In terms of uh, playing games, so I got a copy of Resident Evil 4, and I promptly gave that to my daughter to play. And I said, I'll watch, okay, because I know how hard it is. And she's playing it on the regular mid-level, and so is my, my oldest son, who he should be, he's 42, I think, 43. He's turned 43, and he's playing Resident Evil 4. He's playing the mid-level, but he's, he's, he's like on Chapter 5. So I I will dabble in it, but I know, you know, it, that game especially, not only do you have to be fast, <laughs> you have to think. Um, have you, so, yeah. have your kids given you, uh, are they giving you notes, you know, on the story? Um, hey, Dad, I don't understand this part of the, what's no, this character's uh, Depending, no, depending upon the game, they'll give you some feedback with his motivation. We're paying you. Do it. It's like the classic actor's motivation. Uh, what's my motivation here, Chief? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I just looked it up. There's a game called Heavy Rain. When that game came oh, out, yeah. I was like, seventh guest. It's like that kind of game genre just kind of came right. back. And it was a you little more interaction. You're right. And those games, have you ever like yeah. thought okay, about so that? Okay, so like, Heavy Rain, I certainly dabbled in that by myself. I yeah. was in Con, and I and this is for one of the game things, like they had like Melia or MIP, MIP TV, something that was interactive with it, and Heavy Rain was doing a preview there, right? And um, I believe I was the host interviewing them, so I actually had to be familiar with and it was heavy rain and there was at least one or two other games there but heavy rain was the most impressive and here's i believe that the director of that of heavy rain i could be wrong here went on to be the director of planet of the apes who worked with me and is very good steve neebly i mean he was it was all motion capture and the actors but he just worked wonders with that it was like watching a Planet of the Apes movie. And then he went on to become the, I think I can say this, the director, I'll find out. Uh, <laughs> he became the uh, director of Resident Evil 4. Uh, so he, you know, he's, he, he arranged for me to work with him on that. So, cool. but Resident Evil is uh, Caroline Marchand, I forget her name, something like that. Uh, and she was demoing the, it wasn't done. And I said, wow. And it was like seventh guest, but seventh guest evolved, you know that whole yeah. sort of, mm. you know, and and also the any all the, the quote unquote puzzles were environmental, which I think it, in other words they're in, you know, a movie is like a, Indiana Jones is environmental puzzles. Now, how do I get out of yeah. this cave? You know, what do you know? How do I get the jewels? It's all move this switch and get that thing, but it makes lot is logic to it. So that that game had it, and the look of it was terrific. So, yeah, heavy that's rain. a long winded answer. Yeah. Said, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great game. Uh, heavy yeah. heavy rain. Yeah, you know, that's a good pull, Aaron. Like that game it changed. Uh, was it was really impressive, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, I think was. those games got to be really hard to make because you don't see that you don't see a lot of entrance into that genre, and I I think it's because those games are really hard to yeah. do. There was another one recently yeah. with the robots. He did. Yeah. I think it's like yeah. his next one. That one's the one where the robot becomes sentient. Oh, don't no spoilers, buddy. Story based. Another story based yeah. game. Yeah. No. It's like Heavy Rain. It's the same kind of like same company, mechanics. right? Yeah. Same guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know. I think there's a way to go there. We haven't cracked that that interactive. You know, because when Seventh Guest came out, people actually protested. This isn't a game. Yeah, I remember that. It's a bunch of puzzles with a story. 
it, it, and they're pretty vehement about it. And basically, I said, F you to them, you know, like, <laughs> I think puzzles, you know, moving around the house. Um, but people are very strong. I think that now it would cause less of a problem because puzzle games are oh, a whole genre yeah. unto itself. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 I, I, I like that now. I love Seventh mm-hmm. Guest. I mean, yeah. I, and yeah. I mean, I, I I try lots of different kinds of games, but the just the whole vibe, you know, it, it definitely had this immersive, like environmental vibe to it. Even though the mechanics were were not necessarily real time, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, for the time, they were extraordinary. I mean, the other thing is, people say yeah. it wasn't wasn't capable of being done. Thirty frames per second video can't do it. And they did it. it. This was it was the same era that Mist came out, right? Same same time frame, really. I mean, they were. I wouldn't yeah. say they're mirrors. And whether Mist was more famous or some guest, both made a splash. Yeah. Of course, Mist didn't have the video element, and the video was very campy, if you remember, very corny. Yeah. Campy. Yeah. It's awesome. It's yeah. like the. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best. Oh my god! And, There's a head here. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you. So you were saying Graham Devine. So at, I, I yeah. we found there's like a 20 minute documentary about yeah, the making so of Seventh good. Guest, and Aaron and we'll I were watching it. that last night. Oh yeah, really? And uh, Graham Devine's yeah. in it. You're in it. Graham Devine's in it. Um, Dave Lumen's in it. So we work with Dave over at Microsoft. Oh, oh I've seen that. Do- that was included with it's the a documentary game as a VHS video. It's yeah, a- yeah, yeah. Graham looks like he's like 16 years old. You know, yeah, he, like he was. Like, oh my gosh! Like. <laughs> This was a long time ago. How did you yeah. get connected to to Trilobite? How did you get connected to that project? How, like, did somebody reach okay. out to you and you had to go? Oh, yeah. wait, this is a yeah. thing. Right. I could C- CD. Yeah, how did CD that ROMs didn't exist then. CD ROMs did not exist. So uh, I had done my first three horror novels, and they were all getting good reaction for Berkeley Putnam, you know, real publisher, significant publisher. I was also the game reviewer for Isaac Asimov Science Fiction Magazine and for Analog. Hey. Here we go, huh? Al- <laughs> so Alex loves that. <laughs> oh, I'm a huge Asimov fan. I was I so I my oh, yeah. on Foundation. I so. met Asimov. I went to his oh, apartment. Hey. Oh. He had, he, it was, oh, my it God. Was crazy. Really? He, he was a hero. I mean, like, he's a hero. So they, they did a game, a, a LinkedIn game to Asimov. Uh, and I was going to go there and we are going to... He's going to show him the game, talk to him. So I'm in Asimov. He's got the hair. You know, he's got the glasses. Uh huh. And I said, "This, wait, this wait, guy wait, hold on. Foundation. Is this in New York? Did he live in New York City? Yes. Did New he York live City, in New York right. City? Okay, that's it. That's what I imagined. <laughs> Are the robot rules anywhere? <laughs> Not only the only on the wall. He follows them. <laughs> he follows. Them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So you show up. You're in Asimov's apartment in Manhattan. Is he's in Manhattan somewhere? We switched stories though, didn't we? I just it's a multi-threaded podcast. Yeah, we did. But I, we got to hear about meeting Asimov. <laughs> okay, you can always re-edit to get some sort of <laughs> comprehension here. Um, yeah. So, so I, w- I was the game <laughs> review, and I did did all the game reviews once a month for that. And so I, I got to see everything. So which actually helped because I really did have to play that because I was reviewing it. So I'd get games. Um, so with the horror novels, you know, I thought it was going to be the next Stephen King. That didn't quite turn out, but I'm pretty happy with my horror writing career. And I get a call from Robin Graham in Jacksonville, Oregon. And they say, um, we're doing this game. It's going to be on something called uh, CD. I don't know if they called it a CD-ROM. I said, what's that? And they said, would you be interested in writing the story for it? 
So then I gave my little talk about, you know, story. I can do the story, but I can also help with the interactions and all this stuff. And because essentially I wrote that story and cut it to pieces and divided it into rooms. This is this paper. Right. This is like printing it out on a dot matrix paper, cutting it out and yeah. say, this one goes in the living room. This goes in that. And then, then they said, um, how much will it cost? And I picked a figure. And then I, then I waited for that check to clear before I got at all interested. <laughs> it, it did. It was a reason. Rizzle this video game Rizzle. thing, I don't know. Like, wait for the check to clear well, before you actually yeah, put pen to well, paper. Well, they were they spun out of Virgin Interactive, you know, they, and Virgin Interactive yeah, was right. financing right. the deal, which is probably there's yeah. a long there's a long article called "The Rise and Fall of Trilobite," which you, um, I'm in that mostly accurately quoted in that, but not completely. But I'm in that the whole story of their rise because it was stratospheric, it was amazing, and then the fall. Which I think every person who has a game company should read. Like, huh, so that sounds really interesting. There, but for fortune, go you. Yeah. And so, and then the, the amazing thing about it is, um, I asked for a royalty, and they gave it to me. Oh, that's cool! Really, game companies don't <laughs> give royalties. Did you just ask for a royalty, that's sir? Uncommon. Uncommon. You asked for a royalty. Get out. On a great <laughs> game, too. Yeah, put your kids through college. Good for you. Yep, and it sold like two, three million copies. That game was on the shelf forever. That changed my life. That that thing changed my life. Well, that that's fantastic. So, the, as you're describing, like how the game was architected, or at least the story was uh -huh. architected, you wrote prose, you wrote narrative that lived in each of these rooms, and mm -hmm. the player, you know, here herein is the rub with writing for video games. The player right. could go to those rooms in any order, right? Like they would, some things would lock and unlock, but it wasn't it wasn't an exact order, was it? No, no. They, you know, you could sort of clump them. Like you can't go in that one until you figure that you've solved the. You know, remember, there's a cake right. puzzle. You got to slice the cake there. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the you know the Mars puzzle with the telescope. Uh, I I remember the telescope. You, you have to look through a telescope, and and there's a sentence that you have to piece together. Interesting thing about that: some of these puzzles, not all of them. I mean, Rob took the lead on the puzzles. Came from my book. I did a book called "The Greatest Puzzles of All Time." It's a nonfiction. Really, book. published by Prentice Hall. Um, it might still be available. Well, definitely on the on the black market. It's available, but um, it was the history of puzzles. <laughs> we'll link it up. And that that puzzle. Well, right now that puzzle is probably 150, 170 years old. Isn't that cool? By a guy named Sam Lloyd, who's called the the king of American puzzlers. Found it. It's on Amazon. Yeah. The book? All right, we'll link that yeah. up. It's, yeah, we'll yeah, link it's, the okay. book up. It's, but it's secondary. Like and I've, used, I've actually used that book. But yeah. like when you approach writing, you know, when you're writing story, but it's going to get presented in some nonlinear way, you know, where the, the, where mm -hmm. the user has some agency about it. Uh, dude, you just reminded me. Parts of you, it are, are consumed. Aaron, chill. Yes, sir. i got to no, finish this my is, question. <laughs> I, you got me excited. Is it an emergency, Aaron? Is it an emergency? Yeah, you just every you just said is something I've wanted to squeeze in is her story. You should check out her story, Matt, if you have it. Her story. Oh no, I I, okay. I crossed paths with that. Uh, actually, it was yeah. with I forget it was that Nuno Bernardo worked on that. That was his company. But I, I mean, I've done workshops all around the world, so a lot of these people I've interacted with, and so I have to okay. know what they did. So. Sorry, Alex. Sorry. That's a no <laughs> it's a Aaron, thank you for putting that in there because that was a legit emergency. It was definitely it was a three It's a great storytelling game. Yeah. Okay. It is.
it's, it's, it's super. It's right in the same ballpark. Yeah. All right, but when when you're, yeah, I have some character arcs here. I've got some plot points. I got some. I got some rewards. But like, I got to piece this together in a way where it's not necessarily going to get consumed in my order. The player is right. going to have some choice. That's, hey, how do you wrap your thing. head around that? Do you like do you, what? What's your approach there? Right. Well, two things. You ever go to a cocktail party? I've been to two or three. I don't remember them all, but I've been. Okay, nor do I. So you go to cocktail party. Your experience is one experience of a hundred different cocktail party experiences that night, that party. It's the one you're having by saying, I've listened to this person go on long enough. I'm going to go over there and talk to that person. Um, And it's kind of a similar kind of thing, except they may say, well, they're not actually telling the story. But you go to thread it to make it sort of your night at that cocktail party and and the other thing is that when i'm writing a novel oh it's not video i won't promote any novels then yeah plug plug away matt come on plug them all you must check out my uh the mystery series i do with neil richards called Cheringham. it's in its 10th year available now check amazon phenomenal reviews and uh and uh, so but you know going back to like a horror novel it's more probably a better like i did this trilogy starts with a book called vacation so aaron you can look up vacation and amazon by costello and you'll get the cover so um <laughs> so i get to the end of the chapter there's three or four ways that could go so as the writer i go like like I, i'm gonna go with this one because it seems strongest but there's three or four equally good threads I could follow, some of which I can maybe pick up later in a slightly different way. So I think when you're doing a game like Seventh Guest, in a controlled fashion, you build your bubble, you have these experiences, and more or less the key points are going to merge as the people go through without you having to control them. It doesn't have to be on the rails. You know, you know it doesn't have to be the roller coaster where you're moving them through. Because then they get this, and then later they get something like that. I think a lot more can be done with that than is done these days. You, you just have to, you have to build the story carefully, where it has that flexibility. You know, it's almost like right. when you, you see a movie and they cut from here and they cut from there. Well, action didn't stop back that that they just cut from. It's going on, and maybe you don't cut from that. So um, I would say it's a creative challenge, um, and I don't think without like doing a serious article on it, I could reduce it to a procedure. <laughs> I probably couldn't reduce it to a procedure anyway, but it's sort of like building it so that you can consume the character, the story, the events. And I know as a novelist, I, I love doing linear, but it's linear. It's one through right. line for the whole story. Yeah, and you know, there, there's so many different ways to do it in games. That's that's the thing that's so cool about games. Also, it's, it's like mm-hmm. it makes making games kind of challenging is because there is no procedure you know there's no formula one formula but it sounds like what your approach really is like you you do world building so that you know you can tell some story with the environment just what's happening and that's where the party's taking place you have some choke points where you know well if it's a birthday cocktail party somebody's going to sing happy birthday at some point everybody's going to be involved in that choke point and then, right. and then there's enough flavor around that people can get different. Not everybody gets to, gets this piece of dialogue. Nobody gets the whole thing, and that's okay. And it's a different, a different. It's, and that's what you're right. That is okay. It's a different. A game is not a novel. It's really not meant to be linear. It's a different kind of storytelling. But some games are kind of linear. Even you know action 
you know, yeah. first-person shooter games, it's pretty much... Okay, I understand it's expensive to build, you know. You don't want to build something people aren't going to see, you know, in a game. So I, I yeah. understand that. I like that there's all these different mechanics to tell stories that sometimes aren't even, like, thought about. Like, just doing story, like, with inventory items, you know. So you'll have, like, you'll pick something up and it'll have, like, story attached to it. And you could tell parts. I'd say I'll attach it, right. Yeah. Right. And, I, and there's yeah. some that don't even have cinematics and the story's told through the little tapes you find in the, you know, and like there's like multiple arcs going on or they give story to a specific level or, sure you know. And that was like the audio stuff in Doom 3 that none of it was really essential, except it really did fill in the characters because those tapes were made by the characters to send back home uh, and to be in contact with people. And that tells you about the characters and tells you about events, but you didn't really need any of them to do the game, but it made the game better, I think, because yeah. it made those characters more real and human. There's one, I think, that was something, someone sending something back to his family and his kids, kind of like the Stanley Kubrick moment, you know, where, you know, Floyd goes into the little booth and it's his daughter's birthday, and that happens mm-hmm. to be Kubrick's daughter, and says, happy birthday. Oh, no, huh. maybe it's not happy birthday. And she says, what do you want for your birthday? He says, I, I want to, you know, she wants some sort of animal of some sort. But it adds texture, and that's a good part of story too. That characters are really important. Care, like look at look at the this TV TV version of Last of Us. Those two leads we love, just so good, and we're we're with them no matter where they go. Well, they fight off the mushroom head people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they are mushroom head people. (laughs) I I mean, if you look at Marvel, I mean, that's uh, yeah. I think what's made Marvel so. So impactful, right. mm-hmm. so popular. Is, is there's so many characters, um, and how they've treated the the stories. There's all through. Those it's characters. hard to do in games. Yeah, it's really I mean, hard. It's hard to do in games. I think the Marvel point's interesting because Downey took what was a basically a B character with Iron Man, John Favreau, and became the tentpole for what's going to be when you go to the Russo brothers yeah. and the Infinity yeah. finale to that. The two parter, extraordinary. But it was because Robert, you had Robert Downey Jr. doing it. And his tone was right. His voice was right. His wisecracks yep. were right. But you're right there. And I mean, doing that in games, I, I actually, I can't think I've had a discussion, except maybe in Planet of the Apes, about who are these characters and why do we care and what's our connection? Both the ape characters and the human character. Yeah. Matt, who's your, what's your favorite video game character, Matt? But you, you have one that you're like, yeah. That's that I did or that someone else like did? Both, either, both. Uh, favorite one ever? Favorite one you've done? Well, I'll, 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 I'll pick, well, pick, it, pick it something old. I remember when I first played Wing Commander. That's kind of... Oh, yes! I said, okay. Dude, that had Biff I, in it. Wasn't it? It was so... It was just... I said, okay. So good. This character setup I got, it's great. So that... So that... that and that goes back, what, 30 years? Easily. Of mine... I think the Resident Evil 4 characters, even though I didn't originally create those characters, but I loved <laughs> what I got to do. <laughs> Ninjas are going to come out. Yeah. No, you know, you're, you're trying to get yourself out of the doghouse now, right? <laughs> he, he's There's laughing. He's laughing. I'm going to be like floating upside down the Hudson River out there. <laughs> <laughs> and 
You guys are laughing. Okie dokie. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. And Doom, Doom 3, for example. Doom 3, I, I took the point of view character was in my head, and that became the lead character in the books. And I, I just love, because then the book, he can breathe. He's a person. It's a it's a real novel, novelistic character. Yeah. Oh, you, you, can, you can get inside their head. Well, see, that's what books do. TV can't do it. Games can't do it. Movies can't do it. Books can. Yeah. Magic power. Yeah. So um, here's a question for you, Matt. You often write dialogue in games. There's 3D models for those characters, but there's actors that perform the, the, the dialogue. Do you, the, you ever get brought along or dragged into or work a VO session for the voiceover for the stuff that you've written? Uh, I've done that. I've done that for Shell Shock. Um, I did that for the first, I did Just Cause 1 and 2 both times with Neil Richards, but I was at the voice recording for Just Cause, uh, the first one, mm. not the second one. Um, who, I did who, uh, was, um, who did the voice for, is it Rico is the main character in, in Just Rico, Cause? Rico. Was that anybody, was that somebody notable? Change actors between 1 and 2. Huh, okay. I don't know, the fir- first one, but it was done at Salami Studios, this will end up in a funny kind of story. Maybe. <laughs> Slami Studios in L.A. The director is Gordon Hunt, Helen Hunt's father. He's going to direct it, and huh. both for Shell Shock and for Just Cause 1. And it's a lunch break, one lunch break, and this guy walks in, because he's going to be recording on an animated series called Batman. This guy sits down. He goes, hi, I'm Mark Hamill. So like, and he starts eating pizza with us. So it's like... Oh, Whoa. you know, I don't know. Like, wow, that was interesting. A lot of fun. <laughs> it's Skywalker. So, but anyhow, during those recordings, what would happen? Gordon, Gordon's a pro. He's directed TV. He directed his own daughter and Mad About You. You know, this is a script that he worked on. It wasn't working. He'd swing around his chair. and says, "I don't. I'm not right about that." And I and I would go because I was the one of the two writers there. The other writer wasn't there, but I was. I'd say, "Okay," and I have a go at writing something pass it to gordon say yeah let's try that give it to the actor so that's fun because that's writing on the fly um they have yeah. they have they have their script but the line that sounded good when it was edited and worked just now the person is doing it you now in shell shock was a lot of a lot of cursing a lot of accents a lot of dialogue you know it was vietnamese it was it's pretty tough tough game that way and so getting the right line I mean, it's not apocalypse now, but getting the line so it's at least you know holds up. Right, yeah, important. That's cool. That's a that's a part of the process that not not everybody gets to be involved in. Right, but uh, it has a huge impact. You know, like the the, the writing on the front end of that mm-hmm. whole process that ends up being what the players hear and experience. Right. Uh, yeah, so so formative, so important. And, and in a way, it doesn't make sense not to include the writer. Not that they're second coming or anything, but they have the writer there. So you have that resource. And Planet of the Apes, both Neil Richards and I were both there for the first week or so of the motion capture. And um, we interacted with the director. When the director would come over and said, hmm, you know, what do you think? That sort of thing. And when you see, you know, one of the apes, because the apes talk like apes, so. Well, they don't talk like apes. They, they speak English. <laughs> it's like an ape in flight is English. Nope. Human is bad. 
on that. Yeah. <laughs> no, if, you, apes. if apes could talk. Apes. Yeah. Well, they do talk in that show. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, that's cool. We've always included the writer. I've always seen the writer. Right. Every game I've worked on, the writers had oh, a really oh, that's big, good. Like I think on Midnight Star, we had Scalzi when he was writing for us. Like he never, uh-huh. he was never really around. He did like he didn't come to the voice, but we didn't do a lot of voiceover for Midnight Star. Matt, you know what actor we had doing voices for Midnight Star? Who? This guy right here. Aaron right here. I'm an actor Co-host Aaron. Really? (laughs) Dude, everybody. That was like, we talk about this all the time. I'm sure you've done VO for something, right? Have they called, like, hey, you want to do some voices in our game? Me? Yeah, you. Well, well. first of all, let me just say that you, you have a voice that, okay, I get it, you know. I oh, hey, you thanks, be, man. VO, you heard it here, folks, you know. first. Wait, you heard it here you know, first, here, folks. <laughs> I'm not even a writer. Bottom of your screen, you see the 800 number. You can book him now. He's going, he has a few dates still over. Uh, I wrote a show with another writer called Paul Wilson. For the, it was the first show on Sci-Fi Channel. It ran for six years seven years called what? ftl news ftl news it was a one minute newscast from the this. future yeah okay FTL so ftl news and it was it was it was amazing fun again built, we built a gigantic bible we wrote it this, i'm getting around because you asked me if i've done voice art so but yeah, that was yeah, like yeah. tv right so then and then we were casting our writers friends like peter straub somebody we knew he was cast in it other writers and then just wacky personalities like professor erwin corey who was some crazy TV comedy professor. We had him, the amazing Kreskin, who was a magician. And he it was just like, we had Timothy Leary as a character. Because like I said, why not? <laughs> so anyhow, um, there's an alien that had to be in it. And for some reason, I ended up doing the alien, which was a long arc, because he, he's a nasty, he gets bigger, then he gets small and dies. And he marries a female TV personality. And they did the cover picture on the Weekly World News of me and Rhonda Starr, Rhonda Shear, who was the TV personality. And the cover story in the Weekly World knows, News said, Rhonda Shear, pregnant by alien or something. So I actually acted in that. This is, so, I heard, this is surreal, I know. But I have it um, up right now. You can find them all on YouTube now. Someone's like, there's there's really? all their fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's they're, a great thing to have. There's amazing a number of them, and but the other thing I did, I did radio for nine years in New York City. I was on a show nice. called New York radio. Kids. New York Kids. I, I was the game guy, but I got a little bored with that, so I introduced another character called Wacky the Logic Clown. And then Wacky Logic Clown had a dummy, like a he's in the closet behind me here. You can't see, but. Uh, so I did the dummy's voice, Wacky's voice, and my voice all at the same time on radio doing magic tricks. Nice. <laughs> totally. So cool. It's insane. It was great. So you have done VO stuff. Yeah. That's cool. But not a voice as good as yours. Not as good. <laughs> yeah, I got to check out this game you're talking. I remember it vaguely when it came out. It came out just after, was it just during COVID or before COVID? Or when did Which it come game? out? The, the, the Planet, Planet of the Apes game. It was before COVID. It was Sony. And I remember it. It's, if you like narrative games, it's definitely worth a look. Yeah. I saw, I was with my youngest son who played it with his girlfriend and, and her her own son. And they, they were crying at the end. Really? What? Now I got to check it out. Because it's really emotional. Yeah, yeah. You'll see things like, you go know, like, oh, I'm not sure that was a good decision. 
like interactively. But also, if you, if you clear that forest with the trees and see the good stuff that's there, the animation looks great. The apes look great. It's like it's like a Lost Planet of the Apes movie. Okay, I'll ch- check yeah, it out. Yeah, check it out. I remember there was <laughs> there was a like a peak of games around that time that were competing for that slot of it was mm-hmm. like travel Traveler's Tales. I think they were doing The Walking Dead. Right. It was yep. like a Batman right. one, I think, or something. Right. Right. Yeah, Arkham Asylum, maybe. But there was a lot of these games doing these narrative experiences where right. it's not too much gameplay, but you're kind of in the story. Yeah. Right. Right. Telltale, right? Is it Telltale? Telltale, that's the one was, that... Not, yeah. yeah, Telltale. Telltale was spoken about a lot going into this. Also, how to do it like Telltale, but not be Telltale, do it a little bit different. I mean, what we came up with there was... Every 15 to 30 seconds, you're making a narrative decision. Every 15 okay. to 30 seconds. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, whether that decision was the right one, I don't know. And there are times when you'll, like, go back to Alex's point before, there are times you'll experience this little bit before you experience that bit. And it's a download game. So if you have a PS4, 5, whatever, 3, 3, 4, 5, you just do the download. Can't be too expensive now, I don't think. But those games kind of disappeared. Like, they they... The last Telltale had a moment. Had, yeah, they did. Yeah. They were like, they had a few few things going, and then yeah, yeah. there's Telltale. Just... So um, that the, the uh, we were talking about Heavy Rain. That was Quantic Dream. Yeah, Quantic I, Dream. I, I just Quantum I, Dream. I just right. Quantum Dream, and the, the the robot one you were talking about, Aaron. That was called Detroit. Detroit, right? Yeah. Yeah, that Detroit. Has, I I never got a chance to play that one. I wanted to because I was a really big fan of Heavy Rain. Yeah. I, that game kind of blew my and, mind. And that's also um, from Quantum Dreams? Detroit is? Yeah. But Quant- yeah. Quantic Dream, yeah. If you have the PS Plus thing, it's it's included. If you get PS I had downloaded yeah. it, and I'm like, I'll check this out later. Two different approaches, I guess, to um, yeah. how to deliver narrative-based games between Telltale and Quantic, uh, Quantic right. Dreams. But um, sort of similar vibe, I would say, just in terms of being uh-huh. an active participant in this story that unfolds around you. Pretty cool. Control, right. Control kind of did that too. I don't know if y'all have seen that. Control is this uh, has a same kind of mystery, but like heavy on mm-hmm. the narrative. Everything in that game has story, like inventory right. items. There's like wow. it's dripping with like you know it's you pick up like a little something just random item mm-hmm. and it goes in your inventory and it has like five pages of things you can read. You know, it's one of those right. kinds of games. It's really cool. I mean, the challenge for something like that is finding the motivation that you actually read it. Yeah. It's got to be, you know, and if you have that, then someone's going to go, oh, I, I, need to, I need to actually absorb this. This is important. You know. Yeah, there was um, never a call to action with it other than like yes, a little exactly pip, right. you know. It was never like yeah. you never had to read this stuff unless you wanted to. And I found myself right. reading a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah. Because the, the, the world in that in that game is so fascinating. It's a really strange, like, right. you know, X-Files type. And I'm into that stuff. So it's, you know, sure. like weird time and <laughs> right. conspiracy theory type the stuff. Time, the, space, continuum, right. <laughs> yeah. Three-letter agencies. and People want more of the world. That's why they read the game books. You know, they would... Yeah. They talk about the action figures. That's why they those play the role-playing game. <laughs> those are gone. Do you wish those came back? The, the the you know the game books because the seventh guest had a big game book right seventh guest didn't I, I, wait wait, wait Aaron are you talking about the no, the novelizations or are you talking about like the hint guides the you know just like the the there was a time when those big box games uh-huh. were around where you'd buy the big box game you'd open it and it have it have a, a like a manual 
and a lot, and sometimes the manual would tell you how to play the game, how to install it, and then it would include story sometimes. Yeah, like in between. Yeah, seven tested. Yeah, and it was really cool. Like, and then that just slowly over yeah. time, the manuals got thinner and thinner, and then yeah, now there's yeah. no longer manuals. <laughs> You know? Just put the disc in. No longer boxes. That, well, Semicast had something called the Stout Files, which is uh, a booklet and has this historical thing that starts like in 1930s when when first Stout got there and moves all the way up to modern times with bad things happening in that town of Harley and the Hudson. But they did come with things like that. But I was actually also referring like people want the game novels. Like there's a yeah yeah you know, whether it's Doom Three, Rage, they they want more of the world. Battlestar Galactic, they want to play Battlestar Galactic board game is one of the best board games done in the past five ten years. If you haven't played, if you like that show, play the game. Oh, mm-hmm. captures yeah. the essence of that, that paranoia. Who do you trust and who's really a Cylon? <laughs> who's a Cylon? Who's yeah. not a Cylon? Yeah, that's cool. That show was so good. Fantastic. I, I stopped after a while. It was good, and then I just got tired of who's a Cylon. Just who's not a Cylon? <laughs> can you tr- I couldn't handle the anxiety anymore. It was like no, <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. The, too. the first they they did That's that good. like what two hour pilot that was so good. Yeah, yeah that was just good that part. You could just watch that. It was so good. All right, Matt. Matt, thank you so much. Well, thank you guys. I had a lot of we fun. We have consumed consumed an hour of your life, and oh we God, are very I'll thankful for. hopefully we'll amplify that and we'll we'll pay it out to those those of you who are still listening really cool to get a chance to hear your story as it's your story has spanned the history of our industry pretty much yeah and Mm -hmm. the evolution two big evolution games a a real evolution of our medium and like you say there's no Mm -hmm. procedure there's no standard and you've right. you've been helping to invent how we yeah. build these worlds, how we tell stories, engage players, and Just, uh, so uh, thank you for lucky. thank you for everything that you've done. Great. Well, I enjoyed it obviously, and enjoyed talking with you guys. Let's go yeah. Mets. Let's go Mets. Now. Yeah, let's go Mets. <laughs> <laughs> They're in good Just shape now, the right? Around. When we're back to yeah. baseball. Oh come on, come yeah. on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. All Appreciate right. it. All right, see you, man. Yep. Cheers. Thank Take you. Care. We'll see you around. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, what a cool cat. Um, you know, I haven't yeah. seen Matt in quite some time. Disney, right? Was that the thing? He's been up to a lot of stuff. A lot. Are you like, we, did you look him up on Amazon? <laughs> a lot. It's like, dude, the guy has like 219 titles under his name on Amazon right now. It's crazy. Really interesting to hear his story about going down to id Software and, and kind of introducing them to the, the concept of the story Bible. And- on Doom 3, yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I know. I know you were a fan of Doom Three, or or at least have a lot of respect for its place in the industry. Oh yeah, I when that game came out, the first thing was, "Whoa, there's a story!" <laughs> like that was so like that's totally <laughs> related to our guest. I remember walking in the game, in the, and you had to have a really good computer, and mine was like barely able to run it. But I remember walking up to a microscope in the game, and just looking at it, walking around it, and looking at it. Because it was a completely new technology, that game really like set the standard for. You mean the, the, the game engine, not the microscope. The, game. the microscope. Not, yeah, no. <laughs> no, the microscope was just a random prop in the game. <laughs> yeah. 
But you're like, whoa, look at look at the lighting on that thing. Look at it's the detail. Insane. How are they doing yeah. that? What are these normal maps? What is this? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> By the way, in the break, Aaron had to educate me on what the technical differences are between a bump map and a normal map. Yes. I still don't quite understand. The... <laughs> I'd have to show you a picture. One is better than the other. Do we even still use normal maps? Is that just part of the material building process now? But like in UE5, are you building, when you're building a material, oh, yeah. are you adding yeah. nor- a normal map texture? So for, for those who are not familiar with normal maps, it's a way, it's a way to use a 2D texture to introduce a, a visual aspect that looks like 3D geometry. Right? It's, very, it's like an efficient way of introducing yeah, some extra. It, it appears like geometry and it reacts to lighting, but it's, uh, it's authored with a 2D texture. Yeah. So it's very like fast to render. Yeah. Nowadays, though, texture stuff is sometimes more expensive than polys. So you're starting to see people use less normal maps than before. You're starting to see people using yeah, more Yeah, because of, because of NVIDIA and their yeah. their features on their video cards. I'm, I'm kind of wondering. I have no idea. Like if, if, if we take like 30 seconds to describe what a normal map is, if most of our listeners are rolling their eyes going... Dude, we know what normal maps are. Or, no, I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> or if they're like, oh, that's cool. I, I, I didn't know what that was. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> I think if you're not a game developer, you probably don't know what a normal map is. Probably. If you do, congratulations. Uh, yeah. I don't think they'll be around forever. I think they were just, a, they were just seasonal in our, in our growth. Kind of like CDs, right? <laughs> like... Seventh guess, like, oh, CDs are the few. No. Hey, I'm surprised you you didn't mention how many. Was seventh guess one CD? I think it was one CD. I don't right? know. Was it one it or did it might have been, yeah. I'm surprised you been. didn't bring it up because you knew when we were talking about Mist and Riven, you actually went and researched how many discs. Yes, because I remember that. I was, yeah, I remember sitting at my friend's house and he's like, dude, it has seven discs. And it was just like, why you get. Because remember, one CD back then was like <laughs> 20 bucks. And you get seven of them, like it just felt valuable. And then the other thing too oh, yeah. was with seven guests, it was the box. That box, you'd walk into any Babbage's or any Funko Land or any of those places, you could see that game from like a mile away. It had the most amazing I box. Did, with the, it had the it was like red and had the castle yeah. and it had sort of like a Dracula font or whatever. Yeah, the seven and the yeah, seven was I really remember. big. Yes, and it stuck yeah, out. I you could put that game next to 50 other games, and they would stick out better. It's yep. the, some of the best, probably one of the best box box arts of that time. You know, it's so interesting. It's like back at, back then, you know, because at Bungie, we were self-publishing, so we made our own boxes. We we had this guy, Dave Parmley, who's up, who's up in Portland and um, does, designing these this packaging for us that was like crazy it's like die cut with like fold outs and stuff what that's cool he does that anymore nobody but and now you know with our new stuff we're like we're like making thumbnails you know and like we make yeah. 20 thumbnails yeah. and we run these right. online tests to we see which ones get the out. clicks you know and it's yeah. like it's it's i guess it's the same but different i don't know i miss the packaging though i really love that I stuff do. it was so big i think and they came with a book you like he was mentioning it in the interview yeah that box was really so. Good. Anyways, he worked on Doom Three and Seventh Guest. Those two were pretty pivotal, huh? P- pivotal. Huge. Yeah, huge games. Like they, they're really like they're milestone games. Like if you go back and you look at like in the video game history, like if the, if there's there probably is a place that has like timeline, right, where someone's done it. Oh yeah. That one of those two games has to be on there. 
All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Hey, for uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Our, what? We're, ending... we're, we're going to end like this. <laughs> what do you got? You got, you got something else? I actually don't got anything. You got else. any more? You got any more emergencies? This is our fifteenth episode. <laughs> it's going to say congratulations to all of you that have been with us. Like that's awesome. That followed us along. Oh, we yeah. just got featured by Apple too. Not featured, but retweeted by Apple, which is cool. <laughs> we got we got tweeted by Apple, and, and Aaron just was like going. To like, I lost it. Like texting yeah. me. He's like, why aren't you reacting to me? Come on. <laughs> yeah, dude. No one said anything. I'm like, this is a big deal. But yeah, okay, now now you can say goodbye. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, thank you, everybody. If Thanks, you've everybody. Uh, listened to all 15 of our episodes, I guess, uh, sorry, you ain't getting those 15 hours back, but um, <laughs> we appreciate you. Uh, and if you haven't, um, you know, you might want to check out some of the, the archive. There's some interesting stuff in there, I guarantee. Yeah. Aaron, thank you as always, and we'll see that you all next sense. time. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Fourth Curtain Podcast. To get a peek at upcoming episodes or to send in questions to the show, visit our site at thefourthcurtain.com. And be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. I can't believe I didn't tell you this. I got a letter in the mail, dude. Here, let me read it to you. Check this out. <laughs> Who sends letters? I know, right? <laughs> I was like, this has got to be freaking junk mail. And, and my wife's like, open it, read it. It's from a three-letter agency. Has a seal and everything on the envelope. See, look, I'll show you. See it? Isn't that crazy? Here, hold it well, up. What? Yeah, three-letter what? agencies. Really? That's what you say. <laughs> you call it a three-letter agency. Yeah, that's what you, you say. You afraid okay. to say it? <laughs> well, you know, they track everything. Dude, check this yeah. out. Listen to this. It says, Dear Professor Mark Stein, which, by the way, is the guy down the street. He lives two houses down. <laughs> oh, so this is not a letter for you? No, it's not. Okay, so I should have said it's for me. My wife said open. I know I shouldn't have opened it. I opened it. But it's for the guy down the street. You're, you're, and I'm like, you're reading your, this you're is reading not your neighbor's re- mail. Okay. Is that illegal? <laughs> I don't know, but it's weird. Listen to this. Listen to this. Your work on extraterrestrial anthropology has impressed our analysts at the agency. We would like to engage your service, your services as advisor to our ongoing efforts to interpret and decipher artifacts, both physical and biological, recovered from our SETI research initiative. We all know SETI is not real anyways. You will be contacted (laughs) shortly by one of our operatives. Please submit the following security code when prompted. Sincerely, Sincerely... CIA three letter did, agency. Paper. Is there anybody Crazy. asking for money or? Is... No, and then if you turn the paper around, there's a code. What's the code? It says security code. Uh, security code and security code is written like it's like written in in hand, and then the here look I'll hold it up and the code is F N A C eight B S nine two V F C.